Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skylines, the Cinemetric Podcast. It can be difficult to sort of see far enough into the future to consider the fact that London is going to have a mayoral election next year, because it's not entirely clear that the, the, the entire country is going to exist in, in a recognisable form by late next spring. But nonetheless, should we should we make it there? London is due to have a mayoral election, and it is, it is I think, fair to say, hotting up in roughly the same way that... Uh, the rather damp and chilly weather outside the window is hotting up. So to kind of check in on that one, I've got the New Statesman's political correspondent, Patrick McGuire, with me. Hello, Pat. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very well. I All slipped, the better for seeing you. I slipped into calling you Pat, though, which I just realised the only person I know who calls you Pat is our other political correspondent, Alva Ray, has calls you Pat. Do people call you Pat, or is this just well, something Alva started doing? So, I mean, I won't do the mixed business and business and pleasure, as it were, but my university friends call me Pat. And Alva is an associate, a close associate of one of my university friends. Oh, there you go. This is, this is interesting. So we're learning something new about you. This is, it's like first dates, but on Skylines. But it's, it's, you know, just not to bore your listeners, but I can be Patrick, I can be Paddy, I can be Pat. It all depends on your intonation and how well disposed to you I am. Okay, well, you call know, me whatever you like. Do write in, calling Patrick whatever you like. But we're going to we're going to talk about the mayoral contest because you have, I think, it's fair to say, some fairly strong views on the subject of Sean Bailey, the Conservative candidate to be mayor of London. Well, a Conservative candidate Indeed. to be mayor of London at this point. Well, we'll come to that. What is it about old Sean that's uh, that's so impressing you recently? Well, look on the was it the Monday? I think it was the Tuesday of Conservative Party conference, I wanted to see what Sean Bailey had to say to himself because I thought an interesting question is, how do you, as a Conservative, fight a mayoral election in a city that voted you know, by a clear majority? I'm not going to say overwhelmingly because 60-40, okay, you know, you'd be overwhelmed, it'd be up to your nostrils, but I think you could tread water, right? But we're talking Brexit here, right? You're talking you, 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 got, you did the Stephen Bush thing of getting sidetracked before you got to the key noun there. Yes, exactly. Sorry, sorry. They're very overwhelmingly to remain. So I thought, what's Sean Bailey going to say? Because obviously the big theme of Tory conference was get Brexit done. It peppered every speech. You know, even Jake Berry, the Northern Powerhouse Minister, would sort of be making an unrelated point about Crossrail from the North or measures to save Pendle High Street and just... Chucked it in. Yeah, as you you wrote in your very funny piece, like random punctuation. Yeah. The thing that really stays me about Jake Berry was um, I did hear him say, you know, I call them our Northern Power Towns. (laughs) 
Which, you know, I just, I still cringe at that. This is what, but anyway. This is what happens when you have not one, but two scousers around the cabinet table. Anyway, I thought, what's Sean Bailey going to say about Brexit? What did Sean Bailey say about Brexit? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Sean Bailey said, I'm Sean Bailey, blah, 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 blah. Sadiq Khan spends too much time promoting himself. Okay, fair enough. Actually, there's a valid debate to be had about Sadiq Khan's achievements as mayor. I quite like Sadiq Khan, but I would not I would not go to the mattresses to argue that he does not spend time promoting himself. Yeah, exactly. Crucially, he spends time promoting himself by basically saying, I hate Brexit, I'm a Liberal London mayor, I represent everything you, Liberal Londoner, think is great about this city's, you know, id, as it were. And then he spoke a lot about knife crime, which is obviously a big issue, a hot issue in London for lots of voters, and nobody is denying that knife crime is an important issue. And he also banged on a little bit about clean air. I thought, is it not a bit weird that you don't mention Brexit at all? Not even saying, you know, the dutiful hat tip will make a success of Brexit. Didn't even say didn't even say that. It didn't make any sense to me, especially given that, you know, as we've seen elsewhere in London and across England and in sort of remain leaning affluent seats, the bits of the donut, Zach Goldsmith and Boris Johnson's donut that didn't vote leave, only four of the boroughs that supported Zach Goldsmith in 2016 actually voted to leave. Okay, so there are five outer London boroughs that voted leave, I believe. Hillingdon, Sutton, Bromley, Havering. Bexley, Havering. Havering, the land of, the land of my, my childhood. I always knew it was the leaviest one. I didn't realise until I looked at it quite recently. It was upsettingly close to 70-30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so incredibly leave. But there are a significant number of leave voters in London. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, to play devil's advocate here for a moment, doesn't the electoral system make it quite hard to win on that platform? In the way, like, first past the post, you probably can win a seat that's predominantly leave or predominantly remain by going what, by going the other way to the voters. Yeah. If, like, you know... If there the are... Other, sp- yeah. yeah five if, of the if, if the other side is split. You can't necessarily do that in the London mayoralty where there's a, a transferable vote system, right? Sure. OK, fine. But that the Tories don't think they're going to win the 2020 London mayoral election is axiomatic because Sean Bailey is their candidate and nobody, no MP, other than Andrew Rosendell, of which more in about two seconds, put their name forward. So instead we've got this, you know, a guy who, for all his, you know, years of decade or so of public service and, you know, job in the London Assembly, most voters don't know who he is. He doesn't speak on the biggest issue of the day. Okay, Sean Bailey says it's disgraceful to complain that he's not talking about Brexit or to criticise him for not talking about Brexit. But fundamentally, even in 2020, despite some people in CCHQ saying, oh, it'll be fine, you know, Brexit will be done by then, will be a vote-moving issue. And it's already screwing the Conservatives in London, as we saw from the European elections. So you've got to talk about it one way or the other. And if you don't think you're going to win, and if you think, as a lot of Tories in the country do, you've got to ride out this period of realignment, then it makes sense either to go full FPPE or go full Brexit. And we know the national leadership isn't going to tolerate someone going full FPPE. So, like Andrew Rosendell, the Tory MP for Romford, your, your native my, Romford. Indeed, my, the constituency of my adolescence, yeah. He said, you know, his strategy, he was mocked for it. Stephen wrote at the time, and I think this was true at the time, that it would result in a landslide for Zadik Khan. You know, he wanted to go full Brexit. You know, his strategy energised the Tory core vote on Brexit. You know, 40% of Londoners voted for Brexit. Not all of them are going to vote for Andrew Rosendell, for mayor, of course. But energise that core vote, make inroads to specific minority communities with not for them. And I think, frankly, that's more of an electoral strategy than Sean Bailey has. You know, Andrew Rosendell and Rory Stewart have an analysis in common, which is the official Tory campaign cannot make inroads here because you're not, you're not appealing to mm. either 
chunk of the coalition. And if you accept that, as Boris Johnson has, that the Romanian end has been nuked, then all th- you've got to get out the lead vote. OK, so I, um, I have some history with Sean Bailey, or rather with a Sean Bailey-shaped space, in that about a year ago uh, we did a series of podcasts interviewing the Tory candidates to be Mayor of London... <laughs> Um, and the other two shortlisted candidates, Andrew Boff from the London Assembly and the Ealing Councillor Joy Morrissey, kindly agreed to join me on Skylines and spoke to both of them for an hour each about policy, and they were both actually quite impressive in a way, like they knew their stuff. Sean Bailey wouldn't, wouldn't do it, so I just played some light music. And earlier this summer, I, I occasionally tweet him, trying to get him to, to answer me. Like you, you very modestly didn't mention that when he said that we, that analysis was a disgrace. That was a response to your article. It was. He quote yeah. tweeted me. Yeah. But like he's generally ignored my tweets. Like he surprised me earlier this summer when I was like basically trolling, saying, "Can I get your line on this?" Knowing you wouldn't answer, and he did answer. He, he DM'd me saying, "Okay, let's do an interview." He gave me his press guy's details, which is great. So you know, I got into contact with the press guy, and we arranged it. Fell through. Rearranged it, fell through. I tried to get into the Sean Bailey uh, in conversation with event at Tory conference, and it turned out it was uh, they weren't letting any journalists in. After a while, you do start to wonder if this is a pattern mm. that they are they are just they're trying to keep them away from us and other people of our profession because they don't think it's going to go well for them, and that might not be the wrong analysis. No, look, I mean, there is certainly a feeling, certainly among London Labour MPs, and I think privately a lot of Tories as well, think the campaign is doomed. And if a campaign is doomed, then you're not going to, realistically, the support you'll get, you're going to get is not going to be tip-top. And look, you know, realistically, he's not going to win. He was never going to win. Being marooned on the biggest issue of the day, there's no wonder some people say, well, he could, could come third to Siobhan Benita, who is going to gobble up, I think, a lot of the... You know, Romania Boris certainly the Liberal Democrat, right? Liberal Democrat, because she wasn't independent. She ran weirdly. She quit the civil service to run as an independent in 2012 and won a quite impressive for just a complete. No offense to Siobhan Benita in 2012, but a complete nobody won four percent of the vote. Her patron was um, she used to work for Gus O'Donnell, the cabinet secretary. God. And then, of course, you know you've got very strong green presence. Sean um, Berry. Sean Berry. Always very impressive. Uh, You've got Rory Stewart, who you know could well catch fire. We're going to do a whole bit on Rory. But the the thing is, this especially doesn't make much sense if you assume the Remain vote keeps fragmenting. Okay, Sadiq is really popular and is likely to finish first in the first round. But there's a real chance you could get a couple of candidates in the mid 30s, and then a load of people bobbing bobbing around in the sort of high teens. In which case, Sean, the more the field broadens and there are people with distinct offers on Brexit, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a great municipal consciousness and people are, when the election kicks off, people won't be voting on Brexit. They'll hear Sean Bailey calling for, you know, clean air. OK, Sleek's going to do that anyway. Action on knife crime. Sleek's going to do that anyway, but not, but in a sort of wet language that liberals can understand. You know, maybe Sean Bailey will, will stop, will rise. But at the moment, I think he, some of his colleagues think this too, he's in, he's in real danger of disappearing. Yeah, he's not very good, is he? I mean, I do slightly push back on the idea that there is an opportunity for a third party candidate because I can't remember if it was the last London election or the, or the other metro mayoral elections, but we certainly had a piece of analysis on City Metric around one of those electoral cycles pointing out that actually it's incredibly rare that anybody does. It, it's generally the first place candidate that wins. Yeah, yeah like, sure. Even though it is plausible, like the way the electoral system works is there's two rounds 
yeah, yeah, yeah. in that you count votes and then the top two candidates second preferences are redistributed mm-hmm. to those but but a lot of people don't put a second preference or they don't understand the system well, they, so, yeah, they, they, so they waste their second preference so they go Sadiq Khan first Sean Berry second in which case you might as well not bother you know it's like stuff like that so I don't generally think, yeah. speaking like it is the first place candidate yeah, in that yeah. first and round I, and that I think wins. Sadiq is going to win and that will be Sadiq I think Sadiq is going to win but who comes second is a really fascinating question hmm. and I think Sadiq Sean Benita, I don't. I, I really can't see a route to Sean Bailey finishing second. No, but maybe if he consolidated as close to that forty percent as possible, obviously differential turnout, demographic churn. But say if Sean Bailey, you know, came in a few percentage points shy of Sat Goldsmith, then you know, on a full leave ticket. But you know, I, I just, I, I just don't understand Andrew Rosendale. I would have loved to have seen it. And I think actually I can. It would have been fascinating. The logic, but the logic, crazy, makes much more sense than saying you know Bailey argue, argues that he actively shouldn't be mentioning Brexit. He's saying, you know, voters don't want me to bang on about Brexit. It was a bit like, well, look, I think they quite like Sadiq Khan banging on about Brexit, and I think it gets Sadiq Khan on the telly. Ultimately, it's the structural thing of if you are the mayor of London and you have an opinion on the biggest issue of the day, you're going to be on telly. If you're a candidate in a local election talking about, you know, bin collections in, in, in Hounslow, then, sorry, mate, you're not going to be on the tent. Well, talking of people who are in favour of Brexit and want to be on the telly a lot, let's talk about Rory Stewart, who is, who is you know, in favour of Brexit. He's kind of been sort of repurposed as if he's his kind of remain hero, but he did repeatedly vote for Theresa May's deal. He's, he's just, like, not a complete headbanger. He does fundamentally believe that Britain needs to leave the European Union. What do you think he's doing in the race? A dry run data gathering exercise for on Marsh UK. I don't know. I think you know he clearly has really because this... I think it's transparently obvious that he's going to get kicked out of Parliament in the next election, which is going to happen very very soon. Well, he's and... not he's not standing yeah. Yeah, and if you want to continue being on television yeah. and remain a national political figure, then the only election it's worth standing in is the London mayoral contest, right? I mean, I think that's all there is to it. He's... Am I yeah. oversimplifying? Um, he also likes a good walk. And there's yes, someone who someone else who likes a good walk around and London. And look, I'm sure he'll get a great memoir out of this. And he... Look, but, I, but do I think he has probably has this quixotic belief that he can win? You know, as someone who covered his leadership campaign in quite close detail, was a lot of, lot of briefings with Roy Stewart. He, you know, he's a, you know, has this quixotic sense of self-belief. But also, crucially, the thing he kept hammering home to journalists at hustings and briefings during that leadership campaign is, look at my polling in the country. I'm the real Heineken candidate. I can brawl in the Tory coalition. Uh, you know, I, I do well among the demographics. We don't. You know, I'm the person that the Tory people want to vote for. So clearly, what is the ideal Petri dish for that if you're rubbish to uh, London? And if you're looking at a an incumbent whose approval ratings are, are flagging, you know, broadly in line with Corbyn's, but that's another story. And if you also look rightly or wrongly and think, hey, a charismatic independent won in 2000, Okay, obviously had a great London pedigree and I mean, was Ken Livingston had literally run the great yeah, London exactly, pedigree. exactly. He had effectively done but the job. But you can before. see there are there are certain dots you can you can join. Do you think he has a chance? No. No, me neither. But I think it would be foolish to say he's a complete no hope. I don't I don't I think a lot of people have very breezily concluded that he's gonna humiliate himself and I'm not entirely sure. That's true. Obviously, it depends on lots of things, where Brexit is, what the big issue of the campaign is. But I've been struck by the number of people who have been sort of saying to him, what are you, like, what, 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 you know, when he's on his walk. He could very conceivably beat Sean Bailey, couldn't he? I well, mean, 
We can but hope. He is kind of better at this than Sean Bailey on the fairly fun. And, you know, he's a bigger figure. He's been in the cabinet, albeit for about three and a half minutes. It is entirely plausible that he kind of gets portrayed as, you know, the Conservative alternative in the race, despite the fact he's left the Conservative yeah, Party. Yeah, if, if you want to vote for a Tory... But I wonder if that, you know, it depends where, said what the result of the election is, whether, you know, enough Tories like that. Are Tories like that just going to take... Do they need a gateway drug, or, or are they just going to pull the lever march of Ormbanita? Because they're certainly not going to pull the lever March Sean Bailey. Yeah, defecting to the Lib Dems is, is very in right now. So, so okay, predictions, what do you think is going to happen? I think that it will be... So th- this is my... Khan wins on the second round. Well, obviously he wins on the second round, nobody wins an outright majority. I reckon he wins by a similar margin to Boris in 2012, which was, what, like 60,000? So, like, not massive, but not sort of, you know, super tight. Then I reckon Siobhan Benita. Then I reckon, all depending on how Roy Stewart performs, I think one of, in order of likelihood, Sean Bailey, Sean Berry or Rory Stewart will come third. And I reckon between those two that they'll exist in a sort of 3%, bra- 3 4 5% bracket, I reckon. That's a pretty... That's a it's pretty... It's a bold open, prediction. Yeah. But... I'm going I'm to be bolder. I think Rory might make it to the second round. Really? I think there is a significant chunk of Londoners who will want to vote for a Conservative. Mm. And again, it's like we were talking about with Brexit. You know, it's a minority at this point, but it's a substantial minority. It's a lot of people, not just uh, largely in those outer boroughs, but not exclusively. And Sadiq is, he should be beatable. Like in that there are ways in which his record is not, is not great. Like the hop affair in which you can switch buses. That's good. The fair freeze on Transport for London more generally has hit investment. That's starting to starting to be noticeable. Crossrail's not been finished. The promise to pedestrianise Oxford Street is not happening, and that's because of Westminster Council. But nonetheless, it's the mayor who tends to get the blame for these things. I think the Tories are barking up the wrong tree with blaming them for knife crime and so mm-hmm. on, because mm-hmm. I think people do clearly link that to, to national sort of austerity. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think on the sort of things that the mayor can do, he's not been that great. He's been very good at that sort of PR stuff of you know being like, "Hi, I'm the icon of your your liberal London." But I think his actual policy achievements are pretty weak. So this will, this will be a really fascinating study in voter behaviour, especially in local elections, right? Because as I wrote in my Jeremiah or my uh, my creed occur about why Andrew Rosendell should should be in this race as the Tory nominee, where the Sean Bailey argument that you can't you can't and shouldn't mention Brexit here falls down is Thanet District Council had no oversight of the Brexit process. That did not stop them voting for a UKIP council. Hartlepool Borough Council isn't going to be involved in Brexit negotiations, but they're run by a Brexit alliance of Tories and the Brexit Party. Also, as you say, like actually there are there's a really strong campaign to be had, and I think this is Sean Bailey's understandable and, and, and maybe shrewd gamble. And actually, if the campaign is fought on the issues, then Khan is a much weaker candidate than he looks because of his remain cachet, right? Yeah. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Do Londoners vote along Brexit lines, along national identity lines, or can you, in the age of Brexit, post a no deal, post a really messy election, drag the debate back to normal? There is a real chance it could be the first test of whether politics can go back to normal after Brexit. Nothing's ever gonna go back to normal. Never. That feels like it should be the end of the podcast, but we did say we can do another bit. So we'll just have a quick ad break and then we'll we'll come back and do that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We're going to do another quick bit because I wrote a piece for City Metric largely because I was sort of bored and feeling fighty this week about a topic I occasionally wonder about, which is which is which is Britain's second city, because I think it's fairly clear that the battle is between Birmingham, the big the big city in the Midlands, and Manchester, which is the biggest city in the North. Now I have very strong views on this, but I thought you know I'm I'm basically a Londoner. Patrick, you're basically from the sort of outer suburbs of Liverpool, so we are therefore we're pretty unbiased on this one. We both toddle up and down the country for work. We do. So, so let's let's have this out without at least the Brummies or Mancunians in here to kind of infect the debate. What do you think? So, I think there's a really strong case against Birmingham. Sorry, Andy Street and any other West Midlands elected representative or resident. Or You're going to get very, very polite but slightly sad letters. They're generally quite nice Brummies, but they'll, they'll be sad. Go so, on. I sort of think Birmingham is more of a... I think it's the most American city in the UK yes. in that it's a car-based agglomeration it rather than... It just feels like main roads everywhere. Yeah, yeah, because it? it's, you know, like you say, biggest city in the Midlands, OK, it's part of the West Midlands conurbation. Urban sprawl that's great if you have a car, not so great. If you don't, you know, like what they've done to the centre of Birmingham with the new New Street is lovely. More canals than Venice. You know, I could go which on. Is, which is true. That's a true yeah, statistic. Yeah, yeah. What well, tends to be left out when, when people say that is that Birmingham is quite a lot bigger than Venice. <laughs> but officially, it does have more canals than Venice, yeah. So I just think where Birmingham falls down, as much as it has so much going for it in terms of population, proximity to London, places the sort of throbbing nexus of the rail network, if you want to get anywhere sort of from mm. north or south... I just push back on the idea that Birmingham experimentally, you know, you experience it as a city because I, d- I don't think you do. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be not a very argumentative segment because I also agree that I think it's definitely Manchester. I don't like for much of the late 20th century, like Birmingham just kind of assumed it was the second city. And I don't think that holds true anymore. But I think the proximity to London is part of the problem. Yes, because, you know, you can get there in an hour. It doesn't feel... A second city, to me, has to feel like some sort of counterpoint. 
Yeah. And to, almost, almost in a way, it sort of feels like a, an outer suburb. This is a weird thing to say, but not an outer suburb of London, but you don't really feel apart from London it when you are there, It just feels like it's looking over its shoulder. The number of times you hear someone, like Birmingham will promote itself by saying, oh, the, the largest X outside London. Which the, is know, the only X outside London. Well, that, one of the things I like about Manchester is, you know, the, the line possibly wrongly attributed to the, the legendary record producer, Tony Wilson, about how, like, you know, it, what's the second city? I think we should let London and Birmingham fight it out among themselves. Like, Manchester genuinely believes itself to be the centre of the universe, and that is what you want from a city. You don't want somewhere that kind of, like, is, is kind of in a defensive crouch, right? That's what Birmingham lacks, that sort of sense of yeah real self-identity. As a city. You know, you don't... OK, Ozzy Osbourne... <laughs> Slade. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. There's no real self-definition as, Mm. you know, in the way that Scousers are, we can do a million podcasts about Scousers, but even, you know, the Yorkshire cities... I've done three of the bloody things by now, yeah. The Yorkshire cities have a sort of deeply parochial sense of identity, and I don't mean parochial pejoratively, I mean they celebrate their own sense of identity. Civic pride, yeah. Yeah, civic pride, you know, like Barnsley and Sheffield, despite being a, a long black pudding throw apart, are... If you speak to a Barnsley person and speak to a Sheffield person, they'll, you know, have a million things to say about why they're not the same. I think the urban sprawl thing, perversely, as much as the urban sprawl is part of the case against, in the sense that I'm nicking this point from one of the very erudite people in your replies, but, like, even, old, you know, in Oldham or Bury, there's a sense that they... OK, they would say they're in Lancashire, but, you know, there's a recognition that Manchester is the centre of gravity. I don't necessarily get that with, say, Wolverhampton, the black country all the sort of bits that are part of that same sprawl. I mean, I think in both conurbations, it sort of varies depending on where you go. But I think something that Greater Manchester has done quite successfully the last 20 years is, I think it is actually genuinely tied up with the tram network. Yeah. Because it is now possible to live in, not everywhere, like Bolton and Wigan are still a bit far away, but like it is possible to live in Bury or Rochdale or wherever and be on a tram to the centre of Manchester quite quickly. And that, that has a psychological effect in the way, like, even though Croydon, if it was its own place, would be a really fair-sized city, but that size of Nottingham or something is pretty big. But no-one in Croydon is ever going to think it's it's a separate place from London. Like, yeah. the, the capital's dominance is assured. And I think there is more of Greater Manchester that has accepted its sort of economic and cultural destiny is tied to, to the centre of the conurbation than is true of the West Midlands conurbation where there is still a sense that, you know, it is Birmingham and rather than Greater Birmingham. And, you know, you get there via a flyover. Yeah, it's just I spent a lot of time in Birmingham a couple of years ago because that's kind of my, my late father's house. And it is, like, I think the centre, the city centre is actually great. I, lo- I, lo- I love Birmingham. It's, it's yeah, one of, it, like, a favourite conference venues. Yeah, no, it's, you know, there's lots of nice pubs down by the canals and so on and it's, it's a very friendly place. Like, everyone's very sort of pleasant. But you get outside that centre and it sort of rapidly tails off a bit. Mm. It doesn't really feel like there's kind of much to explore once you've, once you've been a couple of times. Whereas something I find with Manchester is there's always something I've not spotted before. And this stuff is, you know, it's subjective. But it just feels to me that there's kind of more, more life, more going on. No, I completely agree. Okay, That's well, a weirdly cordial note to end a notional debate oh, on. Well, there ne- we go. Next time we're going to do this, we'll have to check. We're going to. The one time they ever asked me to do news night, it, I, they never asked me back because it was clearly set up to be a confrontational thing, or I was meant to be arguing with one of the presenters of Gardener's Question Time. 
uh, and I was meant to be sort of saying... Was this well, in August, by any chance? No, this was years, about three or four years no, ago. No, as in, you know, was it an, was oh, it a slow news day? <laughs> I haven't got the faintest idea. But they, they clearly wanted me to say, I think we should concrete people's gardens to build houses. It's like, well, I don't, I don't think that. <laughs> I, I think gardens are nice. Concrete golf courses. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of golf courses. Why not, don't we concrete them? Not, I hasten to add, on England's Gulf Coast, okay, Southport, but but yeah, in but, London. But this 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 experience has kind of suggested that maybe you need a little bit of conflict. So so you know, if 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 there's any sort of strong Birmingham fans out there who really want to sort of come in and argue with us, let us know. Dial in. Cheers. See you next time. You've been listening to Skylines, the podcast from City Metric, the New Statesman City site. It was presented and recorded by me, John Anage, and produced by Nick Hilton. You can find Skylines every two weeks on iTunes, Acast, or whatever other app you use to get your, your podcast. And while you're there, why not leave us a nice review to, to tell other people we're here? It, you know, it really helps people discover the show, and I'm a megalomaniac, so the more people I can get listening to this, the better, really. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>